Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. We are back with another LARCast. I don't know if we're going to be able to top back. last week. I promised. I promised last episode Bro. was going to be the best LARCast ever shouldn't have promised it, man. recorded. I think, I think this week might top it. I think this yeah, week dude. might top it. But the Lark duo is back. As uh, others have mentioned recently, the Lark spokesman. Yes, spokesman. Spokespersons. The chief losers. Masters of mischief. Something like that. I like it. Though. Losers. Losers not doing it for me man but it's close gotta Just bring keep, back surf rock keep keep working on it man and for those of you who are new to the lark cast i'm russ by the way and this is my co-host tony hi just in case you just tuned in for the very first time i think we always forget to mention that yeah every episode i listen to it when it drops and i'm like ah, once again forgot to tell them well we've been podcasting for quite a while um yeah. We used to podcast under a different brand. We had 90 episodes under that brand where I think we're on episode, this is episode 16 uh, with Lark. And still to this day, I'll look up, um, like I'll research like just podcasting tips and tricks and all that. Even mm. though I've done over a hundred episodes, I'm like still breaking all these like very basic, simple, like beginner's rules. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of funny when you think about like the success of the lark cast and yet i don't think together me and you have read even one page on <laughs> podcasting <laughs> so well, i've read i've read a, i've read a little bit about the, the applying it you know yeah so we are we are not professionals we are not professionals no. at but all we do have some killer content and man today bro today the podcast you talk about like hitting people where they're at you're talking about unpacking a, a reality, man, a, a truth. You're talking about pointing to a problem that people have been facing and dealing with for centuries, bro. Centuries. Yep. Stemming from what we're going to be getting into today. But before we do. Oh, what, whoa, what, what, that's what cool. This? What is this? This. Does that say 200 proof grace? Who made that? Straight, no chaser. Larkast. Come on, man. Who made that for you? I know your broke ass didn't go make that for yourself. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse and Pops from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, they're down here visiting, man, and showed up at my house with a few gifts. This is just one of a few, bro. Really? I feel in love, man. This just killer Lark cast mug, dude. I got the big cooler one. I got a coffee cup one. Just dude firing wow. on all cylinders man so did they just give you gifts like did they bring anything down for me um i mean there there might be something in that bag that's got your name on it but i mean i can't read but you, that good. But you gave it to krista 
Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's uh, that's about the truth of it, man. Nice. Chris is like, yeah, I know this is for Tony, but he won't know. I'm just gonna take this thing. Yeah, she's like, he he doesn't even he doesn't even know this exists. And I'm like, um, I think he's gonna find out. I think he's gonna find out. Yeah, dude, that's cool that that Kentucky crew came down, gave us those yeah. gifts. Well, gave you and Krista those gifts. That's that's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, and there's a couple in there for Eli. Oh, nice. So we were just kind of just divvying up the Tony stash <laughs> among the house. I figured the Kentucky crew would have like, you know, in our honor would have, you know, made a, made a mash and stuck it in a barrel, like mm. in the name of Lark and then told us, Hey, four years from now, you know, it's going to be something special for you guys. They might have, man. They might have done this. They might be working on it, yeah. but you know, to their, uh, to their salute, I guess you could say, to their praise, they definitely brought you some gifts as well, man. Oh, my house. That's and, awesome. Uh, they were gonna they were gonna ship them to you, but I told them that you were flying down in a couple of days for some work that we're doing. And, uh, it's true. Would, I'm coming to I'm coming to Florida. I would keep them hidden from Crystal, man, so she didn't she didn't try to snag them. At the time you guys are listening to this podcast, I will be in Fort Myers hanging with Russ and Jameson. It's gonna so. be good, man. So yeah, man, we uh we got some we got some garb for you when you get here, dude. And uh I'm gonna be sure to protect that. Um because I don't want there to be any like maddening judgments that fall upon me for stealing something that belongs to you, man. Yeah. You don't want to get taken to court. Nope. I don't want to get taken to court. I don't have to deal with all that. Kind of like this story. That I found in the Bible, dude. The story from Jesus. I call them parables. This is definitely a, one of those parables that's like rut row. Here we go. Jesus is saying something, man, that can definitely ruffle some feathers almost more than other things he's already declared that we've already unpacked so far in Larkast. This story is found in Luke chapter 18 for those of you who are following along with Bible time with Russ and Tony. Yep. No, no. But, uh, it's basically the story, man, about a judge that Jesus tells who ignores evidence and rules on the basis of whim. And Jesus uses this judge as an illustration for what God is like. <laughs> so, I mean, you're talking about looking at a case, dude, where it's like, hold on a minute. Uh, such a judge would not remain on the bench for long. Public outcry would demand a resignation. And as I say, so goes the story of God, because Jesus compares the father to an unrighteous judge. Yes, I did not misspeak. He compares him to an unrighteous judge, one who renders verdicts according to his desires rather than the merits of the case. For all you fans of justice mm. and righteousness, you're going to just freaking trip all over this. <laughs> And I right. cannot wait. I, and the reason I why I feel like I wait <laughs> for you to fall right on your justice loving face. Yeah. Um, and we say that with uh, sincere hearts because both of us very sincere. On our face Look at my face. Passage. Look how sincere my face is right now. It's <laughs> so sincere. It's rough, man. But 
Jesus, knowing what God is like and what we actually need, um, seems to know more than us humans. And so there's a very beautiful reason for why this case is tried this way and why the father is depicted as this unrighteous judge who hands out maddening judgments. Um, and we're going to definitely get into that. And dude, when you think about it, this isn't, it's not just like the, that crowd, man, that wrestles with this. It's almost like you can pull back and think of every single person that's ever walked the earth, right? Like there is oh, a yeah. legitimate problem that we have all faced, a legitimate fear and that we've all lived with at uh, moments of, of anxiety and exhaustion in the name of God and what he's like and where we stand, right? In life. And it, again, it's, I mean, it's, it's every culture throughout all of time, man. Mm -hmm. People have really wrestled with this. You know, there's this question of like, what, okay, what, what is God really like? And like, what's really needed? And, you know, have I done enough good in my life? Have I done enough good to outweigh the bad? Mm -hmm. You know, like what, like, and, and if so, like, how do I know when I've done enough? Like, how does God grade us? Like, what score do we need? Is it like a 70? Is it an 80? Does he grade on a curve? You know, that's always a question. Does he, you know, does he grade on a curve? Because if you throw like Queen Elizabeth or Mother Teresa or Billy Graham in there, bro, like we're screwed, you know? Well, you so, are. Yeah, I am. I mean, everybody else. You're screwed. You're probably doing okay. Everyone but. knows, you know, it, it's, it's known. It's known yeah. in part, the parts where I live that I've been, you know, yeah. quite the altar boy. Yeah, you in my life, you're safe. You're safe. But I'm good for me. My kids are the screwed. Rest of the honest they're world. crappy. My yeah. kids suck. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely up a tree, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love what? my kids, by the way. But yeah, you know, it's summer and there's four of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, just think about the questions, man. Like, you know, do I have enough time? you know, to get this score that I need. And if God's so good, why doesn't he tell me where I stand right now? Why doesn't he tell me like what my score is and give me some indication of like what time I have left? It's almost like, like these are the things that rattle around and, you know, just all of humanity. And then you talk, you know, within the Christian camps, man, like the circles that I'm in, I talk with people who have really wrestled with this understanding that they have of God as this very harsh, judge this cosmic bookkeeper who always has your file on hand hmm. it is literally up to date to the minute ready to go at any second you know what i mean that he, needs, that he needs to speak on something and so they you know they they tell me like russ I've, I've heard that god loves me but i don't feel like he likes me you hear i i believe i i, I talk about being saved you know as the scriptures say but um i don't feel safe hmm. It's almost like, you know, the old sermon from Jonathan Edwards, right? From long ago, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that sermon, man, has really made it into the psyche of humanity, especially in the West. And so we sort of operate out of this. And truth be told, man, it, you can even find it in, in Jesus's context as well. There's still people that are walking around with these ideas, these conceptions, perceptions, you could say of God and what he's like, and what's needed, and where I stand, and, and again, the fear, the anxiety, the angst, the exhaustion, you know, what I mean, the, the doubt, man, the frustrations, it's very, very real, man, mm -hmm. 
And I feel like this story that Jesus tells is such a relief to this problem that we face. But at the same time, um, it's maddening. Because while on one hand, we want God to be kind, we still have this like right hand fist in the air, you know what I mean? For justice and it to be brought and it to be brought now. Because yep. this is what the world needs and how we move forward. And so Jesus literally takes on grace and justice at the same time, mends them together in this story and just flips it all on its head. Yeah, and for sure. I say we dive in, man. Let's unpack it. Yeah, cool. I'm just going to read it and we can introduce the characters and, and just get right into the text. So Luke 18, one to eight. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So it's pretty good we're getting into this one, especially on the heels of the how to pray improperly, because here's another <laughs> right. parable that's kind of cushioned in the mm. whole, like, because prayer really is the question of what you're saying. Like, how do I engage God? How do I engage, oh. engage God personally with my personal record? How do I engage him when I've been wrong? How do I engage him when I look out at maybe society and I'm concerned socially about all these rights and wrongs, justice, injustice, right? All that. I think prayer kind of, I, I think it encapsulates, you know, all that. So he told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, vindicate me against my adversary. Hmm. For a while, he refused. But afterwards, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will vindicate her or she will wear me out by her continual coming. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. Verse six, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Mm. Eight short, quick verses. We have two primary characters. We yep. have a judge and we have a widow. So this will be familiar because we've kind of covered some of the ground with the lawyer in the good Samaritan. The yeah. lawyer is um, his, his job is the interpretation of the law. Well, this judge is a practitioner of the law. The judge is meant to apply this in yeah. real life, right? So the lawyer can sit in his office all day long and he could say, okay, here's the interpretation of the law. But the lawyer has to sit and hear cases of like real people, real stories, right? Real right. life situations. And he has to- Multiple ones. He has to apply the law. So he's a judge. He represents justice, fairness, righteousness. And good on this dude, he fears neither God nor man. So you get this idea. He's completely objective. Yep. Like right down the middle of the road, black and white, right? Yep. And then you have the widow. Now, the widow is a perfect choice to drive home that idea of the least, last, lost, little, and the dead. Remember at the beginning of the grace parables, we talked about what are what what's a, what's the skeleton key what's the filter for how we should kind of like look at these grace parables one is death and resurrection which we've really been driving home right death and resurrection is going to be here too 
But another one is it only really works among the least, the lost, the little, and the dead. And so the widow comes and she represents that category mm-hmm. because widows, especially in ancient times, they were people who had not only lost their husbands, but they lost their social standing along yeah. with them, right? Patriarchal society. Um, and so they kind of like were, well, here, I'll just say this. They were kind of on the socially on the same plane as orphans. That's yeah. why like when um, the scriptures talk about, they get into the role of, you know, people who have a heart to serve in the church known as like deacons or just servants. He says, remember widows and orphans. So socially they're on the same plane as, as orphans. So they've lost their social standing. Socially, they're on the same level as an orphan. But it seems as though this particular widow, she hasn't quite accepted her new social place. Uh, She hasn't quite accepted the fact that um, no one cares what she has to say. Um, She doesn't hold any weight anymore. She She just keeps waltzing into this courtroom. and demands justice for herself from a judge and she will not take no for an answer she's like her name's karen basically right like she is like where's your manager let me talk to like i want to talk to that judge and i'm not taking no for an answer she just keeps showing up she will not quit yeah she's uh you know as you were saying she's 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 like this gold you know gold star loser you know what I mean? In the sense of like her status. Socially, yeah. Right. Socially. Um, childlike. And uh, which is a good a good piece to keep in mind whenever we read these. But as you've also said, which I agree with, man, she's um she's a just do it winner, too. So kind of like the prodigal that we, you know, that we talked about, or what we call the prodigal son, um, you know, in an earlier podcast she realizes she's she's lost, she's dead too, just like him. Like she's she she she's in need 100% of something outside of herself, something beyond her shore for salvation. Um, but at the same time, like she's, even though she recognizes it, she's like eager, man, to like figure out how to, how to correct the system. You know what I mean? How to play the game to really well, get ahead, to make yeah, it. Yeah. She won't die to the case. Yeah. She won't die to her, the way she sees it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's like, I'm sure all of us have been in that, you know, situation where we have like a little spat with a friend or a spouse and they just like keep, you know, they keep bringing it up. Like they need to be vindicated. They need to be, you know, justified. And so she's definitely like, I like how you say that she represents both that deadness, but then also this idea, like, no, I'm still alive to this. Like I'm still alive to the fight here. I need to be vindicated. I need to be justified. Right. Right. So I, verse, I will make it happen and I will yep. make it happen. So in verse three and four, the judge keeps telling her to get lost like for a while. And you get the, get the sense for like a long while. He's just like, yeah. dude, he throws her case out every time, every time she walks into court, he throws her case out. And it's almost like you get this sense of this no nonsense judge where he's just yeah. like, dude, I can't, I can't waste my day here in this case. I need to get on to like real legal matters, like things that really matter, things that yeah. have like, you know, substantive cases with mm-hmm. good evidence. 
And so he throws her case out every time. He finds her claims either to be unsubstantiated or he finds no legal fault in her adversary. But either way, the judge finds no merit in this case. Yeah, so, Jesus is... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, like, it, like Jesus is free of, the, of our fear, like this fear that we have to use bad people as sit-ins for, for what God's like. You know what I mean? Like this, this judge, you could just tell, like, he's a no nonsense, but at the same time, like he's, he's not paying any attention to like something that is legal and needed. That's right in front of him. Yeah. You know, it's a, he's, he's, it's, it's funny. Like how he, how he, how he chooses that we keep going. Just something I just thought about. No, I just, I just think it's really important to nail down on the basis of the law in and of itself. Right. Just legally speaking black and white letter of the law this her case has no merit yeah she has she she can find no legal justification so her cry for justice all the reasons she keeps bringing up fall completely flat yeah and i think that that is a great commentary (laughs) on society as a whole right Mm. how so well, just that either we might have, um, let's say that there is a cry for justice and it has merit. Um, it's not like those who are crying for justice are squeaky clean themselves. True. It's not like anybody who cries for justice is not at some point in their life has been unjust or has done wrong to, you know, another person. And a lot of ways, I would say the ways we justify ourselves um, they just fall completely flat. All the yeah. ways, all the things, all the lists, so to speak, right? Yeah, I would the agree. Ways with that. In which, the ways in which we want to say, look, here's the evidence of why yeah. I'm, I'm just, why I'm vindicated, why I should get in, right? All the yeah. lists we might present Peter at the pearly gates. Yeah, you have this, uh, you might have an actual true case of injustice that does have its merit. But when you pull back the veil on the bigger picture, it's what you have are broken people upset with broken people. Yeah. Guilty people are crying for justice, right? Against guilty people. Yeah. And it starts to get a little bit messy, man. Think think about that courtroom with 8 billion people. And you start to get a little bit of a picture of maybe like what God's hearing. Yeah. Just a thought. Based off like the story that Jesus is saying here. Right. And so it's yeah. interesting. He arrives at his judgment on this case. So finally he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to bring some, I'm going to bring some absolution to this case. I'm going to actually yeah. speak to it. And he arrives at his judgment, not on the merits of the case, right. but just so he can have some peace and quiet from this first century Karen. This widow yeah, who just won't shut up and his reasons are completely selfish. And, but here's the more important thing, his, his reasons for the vindication or the, the absolution, the, the, the finality of his judgment, they have nothing to do with the law. Yeah. That, that. You, you got to hold on. You, that is the piece you have to hold on to the, yeah. the judgment he delivers 
has nothing to do with the law. He steps, he steps outside of the judging business, the judge's chair to satisfy, justify and vindicate the widow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the, that's the gold man in the, in this whole story is, is, is the fact that he had a change of heart, but his change of heart had nothing to do, as you said, with the merits of the case. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with all that she kept bringing to the floor. He, uh, he has a change of heart because he wants the convenience of just being done with this whole nonsense, man. He's like, he literally makes a choice to go out of the judging business, to go against his profession. He's going to be held up on charges from the ethics board. Yes. He's going to have to resign. Public outcry will be real and felt and in the world. Mm -hmm. He knows all of this and yet chooses to, to, to declare a verdict for her good based off nothing to do with the righteous demands of the law. And this is, this is literally the, the, the person that Jesus chooses as an illustration for what God is like, which is kind of what I was laughing about earlier. Like he doesn't have this fear that we have of using bad people as sit-ins for, for stories of what God's like. He, he has an unjust judge reveal the reckless grace that he's extending. <laughs> well, think about the other party. It's like, dude, uh, I mean, amen, but wow. Think about the other party. They know she keeps going. Word makes a way, you know, word makes its way around town. Yeah, she was back in court again, dude, trying to get you, trying to get you jailed, trying to get you sued, trying to get money from you or whatever. And then you finally hear, dude, the judge, she finally heard her case and like, you're, you're guilty, dude. Right. Think about like, you have an appeal, public outcry from that. So now you're going to have the other party in your courtroom. It's not like this thing just goes away. Mm-hmm. It's not like this thing is just like, you know, it's not like this sweep it under the rug. Like, no, like he's creating more problems for himself. And you brought up, you know, the whole idea of his reputation. I think that's, yeah. that, that's part of it too, or probably the bigger piece of it. He's willing to be perceived as a bad judge. Yeah. yeah he, he's willing to just shut up about whatever is wrong and all that is wrong so that he can just be done with the hassle of it all. So he can just be done with the constant issues, man, that are just that are just just weighing down and disrupting and dismantling the very humanity that he's created, the very communion, right, that we were made for. And he's like, I just want to get back to the party. I just want to get back to the party. Can we just be done with this? Hmm. Here's what I'm going to do. I mean, it's dude, it's a perfect picture man for like what god is like and what jesus has come to do and what he's going to accomplish on the cross and right and all that flows from it but i mean it made me think about uh it made me think about romans 5 8 which is a passage that we've talked a lot about and have written a lot about in in reclaim for those who are listening in it's uh you know but god commended his love toward us right and that while we were still sinners christ died for us I love that while capitalize that we were capitalize that one still capitalize that one sinners <laughs> Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Not when we got it together, not when we had the right case, not when we pleaded the right case, 
Not when there was legitimate merit to our case. No. Not when we were complaining or whining and pushing and prodding. Not when we were, you know, when you think about it, like you've got the, uh, she's kind of like the, like the, the younger son in the prodigal story. She, she's like him. She's recognized that she's at the end of her rope. But unlike him, she's working hard, man, to, to, to work the system for her good. Mm-hmm. Right. The prodigal, as we called him, right, the younger son, he goes home and he's, you know, he's met by his father with this reckless grace and restored back to sonship immediately, all by the father's doing. And on to the party they go. This woman is, she's, she's not a picture of that. She's still pushing and prodding and pleading, right, her case. Mm-hmm. But either way. Jesus tells a story that, you know what, God is like someone who looks at both and goes, look, I know this one turns out good and this one is still not getting it. But guess what? While you're both broken, I'm going to declare a verdict that just gets us all back to the party. While you're still sinners, while you never got it together. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and die. He, I'm fixes, die for it all. he fixes it all with a word. <sighs> of his grace a word of Bro. his judgment and look at the word she uses justify me vindicate yep. me and then look at the word the judge uses i will justify her i will vindicate her mm-hmm. so by stepping away from the technicalities of the law the black and white nature of the rules god does the unjust thing by justifying unjust sinners and here's the thing i really want us <laughs> to see great there is an injustice to grace Yes. Grace is unjust. And you might be like, yes. well, no, Tony, uh, penal substitutionary atonement. And in the mind of God, this is what's happening, you know, in the courtroom and all this other right. stuff. It's like, <laughs> no, man, it's not that it, it, it's not that it's not that clean. No. Because um, the same God who speaks is the same God who's heard. Right. It might be God might have figured it out right in his mind and everything is satisfied and squeaky clean. But still, you have sinners skating away, completely justified, based not on their merits, but on the merits of someone else. Something is applied to them that doesn't belong to them, or it's counted as belonging to them, even though they didn't, that wasn't true of who they were. And so, like, I love what you said. He just wants us all to shut up once and for all about what is wrong and what is right. And so he makes a decision. What I've done and what I haven't done and what I'm going to do and just stop. Yep. He makes Pour a decision. A glass of Merlot and grab a freaking <laughs> fork, man. There is a ribeye cooked to perfection on the table. In fact, right over here to my right is an endless supply. This is a this is a this is an all you can eat buffet of ribeyes that are cooked freshly on the minute. <laughs> you know I mean? Almost seems like it almost seems like, contra- seems like a contradiction. Seems like a contradiction of terms of buffet of ribeyes. Because you think to yourself, ribeye, oh, that's gonna yeah. be amazing. But then you think buffet, you're like, eh, that's so that's amazing. why I said cook to perfection. Cook to perfection. <laughs> buffet of ribeyes. Walking up and get perfection. that fresh one. Amazing. But I, I, I just want to sit on this point really, really quick. And I know you want to get on to the get on to the party, but I think there's something for me. I just need to just sit in this for a minute because the injustice of grace right so it's not within the seat it's not in his seat within the court that he makes this decision but it's within the selfishness of his mind he's not sitting in his seat he doesn't have his robe on he doesn't have gavel in hand or however judges would have dressed themselves up in the first century i'm not going to pretend like i know what that is 
but in the selfishness of his mind, he settles the matter. He yeah. wants the wet blanket of our sin, other sins, our cries for justice against others, others cries for justice against us once and yep. for all off the books, out of the courtroom, out of his face, just, just get done with it. And he delivers yeah. a legal ruling, but it's not a, it's not, it's not pure unadulterated justice. This ruling is disreputable. It's disputable. It comes with a list of legal questions, sort mm -hmm. of like justifying the ungodly, like you said. Yeah. And in Romans four, four and five, it says this now to the one who works, his wages are counted, not as a gift, but his due. And to mm -hmm. the one who does not work, but trust him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. That is almost like a one for one. That's exactly what he's getting at here. This is this yeah. this is not without its controversy. Yeah, I think you do have people who can point to the scriptures of just the beauty of creation, the garden, how God's made us this the, the reality of our dependence upon him, him being life itself and us existing in him from the get-go. You can point to like a lot of, that we've been talking about in the podcast, the mystery of Jesus's life, right? Is our life, which means the mystery of his death is our death. The mystery of his resurrection is our resurrection. Um, his death for our death. God has justly dealt with and punished all unrighteousness and did it himself because we couldn't. And did it in a way that he could bring us all to the party through his own doing. Amen. So you can definitely satisfy that whole justice camp. You know what I mean? I think, you know, by pressing in on that. But I agree with you that the flip side of that, though, is there's still people who are going, yeah, I know that's apparently true, but I'm still wrestling with it because this still looks and smells and feels like an unjust judge who made a, a, a declaration, not by the merit of the case, but by his own whim by his own desire to just be done with all the nonsense to just shut it up once and for all. Yeah. And I think when you're at the end of your virtuous rope, you can see that and, and, and find yourself go, man, amen. Cause this constant fear of what's needed and where do I stand? And do I have enough time? And is it great on a curve? And I mean, just, you know I mean? This is constant like angst that we can live in with this idea of this, this very uh, angry judge bookkeeping, right? <laughs> like, like, like angry landlord who's just hanging out at the end of the stairwell, just eager to man to like to bring some eviction notices to anybody who's a minute late on the mm -hmm. rent. And Jesus comes in and says, no, no, that's not at all what he's like. In fact, this is what he's like. <laughs> and, you know, I, this, I look at that. <laughs> this man, parable's like, insane, bro. Yeah, it's like Jesus is literally asking, he's literally asking us, uh, do you think it matters to God how just you think your cause is? Think about that. Do you think it matters to him how just you think your cause is? You think that's literally what he's making all these decisions based off of? Mm. Which like immediately is like makes you pull back and look at the parables we've even talked about so far. Yeah. Like the lost sheep was pleading its case, right? And so the shepherd went and found it. Oh, no, that's right. The lost sheep didn't do anything but lay around in its lostness. Hmm. Lost coins were, were repeating prayers day and night in hopes that God would move and come find them. No, coins don't pray. The lost son received a welcome home party and was restored back to full ownership of all that he had. 
before he could even get an apology out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. Right. Or no, he received all that because he, he made a whole plea for like what he was going to do to make up for what he lost. Oh no, that's right. Because the father didn't hear any of it and wouldn't hear any of it. So when you look at this, it's like, dude, Ephesians two is not playing around. Yeah. We've been justified by his grace, his doing. We awaken to this reality by trusting him, by faith in him, it says. This is a gift, God says, a gift from him to us. But he seems in this story to say, and it's also a gift to me, because I'm just tired of hearing this day <laughs> and night. Can we just get back to the party that I created us to live and dwell in together, please? It's it, that, man, it's like, I can almost like, I, I almost just want to laugh and just keep laughing about just how good he is. It's so good, man. And, and if you're a student of the Bible, you know, this promise, right. Yeah. That through like this seed, this one who was to come, he was going to include and bless all nations. And then this idea of the law, which has its place in life, you mm -hmm. know, it has its place in life that came after. It came after the fact, and we're so infatuated with the the, yeah. the 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 legalities. We're all we're all lawyers, right, so to speak, in the good well, Samaritan paper. We're all trying ourselves. to we're all trying to be. We're judges too. We're playing that <laughs> role as well. You know, wait, wait. We're playing, you mean like the garden? We want to be God. We want to be God. We want to be the judge. We want to play <laughs> right. lawyer. We want to play offended we want to yep. we want to play all those roles that feels good but the one we won't embrace is offender the yeah. one we won't embrace is sinner yeah and receiver the receiver of a of an indiscriminate grace that was our only hope it's what like man give me a list give me a checklist give me anything but that it's, it's yeah. like this seems to be this weird plight of humanity what was that quote you brought up in the last podcast? It was something like those who forgive have died to their rightful place in life. I feel yeah. like if you, yeah. I think the demand for justice is such a, a tension point for those who really know who they are in the quietness mm -hmm. of their heart and their mind. They're very keenly aware of the, the frail foolish and feeble people that they are it's like it it doesn't make you stop pointing at things and saying that's right and that's wrong it just mm -hmm. does so not with like the loud voice of those who think they're just themselves there's mm -hmm. a humility to it you know what i'm saying and i just see these i just see a lot of people right now you know or i know myself when i feel so right and I'm just like right here in this moment, man, I'm just, I'm going to die on the hill of this hardwood floor as I fight with my wife on this one specific issue. And I just want to yeah. be, I just want to be vindicated. And then you yep. take that to a grander scale, you know, whether it be bigger issues, you know, maybe there's real hurts in a marriage that's, you know, died yeah. or dissolved, or there's bigger issues in family with kids, you know, other family members, brothers, sisters, maybe there's yep. something happened at work. Maybe you got screwed royally at work. Um, maybe you've screwed someone royally <laughs> at work. You know what I'm saying? Like we all have played both sides of, uh, of it yeah. all. Yeah. And if we keep, 
it's not so much that if we just keep playing both of those sides, we'll never walk in the harmony that we long for, right? Never. The harmony that, that the law actually points to, by the way. Okay. Um, but until we just let go of the whole game, man, mm -hmm. until we realize that, that the one that we're, that we're all pleading our case to has already dropped it. Yeah. That's what Jesus is saying here. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tee, I'm going to tee you keeps, up. It just keeps going, man. I'm going to tee you up for something we talked about pre-show. It's, it's not like grace is not a judgment. It is. It's an announcement. No. It is a judgment. It's him looking at the world and saying, okay, no, I'm going to, I'm going to treat the world this way. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm declaring. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's a judgment. Yeah. That's a word. That's a declaration. And it carries weight because it's spoken by the one who made us and reconciled us in his son. Yeah. Yeah. Like even in the story, you know, that, you know, Jesus asked that rhetorical question towards the end of the parable that you read, will God not judge in favor of his people? Will God not judge in favor of his people? Will he not have mercy on those whom he's made, who he loves? And the question is, yeah. Like in the story that it says soon, I love that word soon. Mm -hmm. It's totally pointing to what is soon going to happen. It's pointing to what soon has been said from Genesis 1. Everything in the narrative of Scripture has been pointing to a coming of God himself, becoming human himself, a dying in our place and a rising in our place to bring us back to the dance. And that's very much what came, right? Jesus, that's, Jesus has already made that known. He's already on his way there to the cross. And I think that's totally what it's pointing to. And then Romans 8.1 is that passage you just quoted, man, is like that's declaring the reality of what soon would happen that did happen. Right. That soon through his death and resurrection, it would be declared. A judgment would be brought. The gavel would slam. Therefore, for now on, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And of course, you have your Bible camps that debate on who's in and who's out. I'm going to go with the scriptures are pretty plain about all things being reconciled. I'm going to go with him being life and that there is no life outside of him. So the idea that you somehow live outside of Jesus, who is life is actually just a myth. And so I'm going to point to that and say, man, not all might believe this and relish in this reality and therefore live dead to it, as the Bible says. Um, but let's not pretend like something else is needed other than for someone who's listening to this to just simply say, yeah, I believe. I believe. Yeah, let's not pretend that it ha it's not for the world. Yeah. And it's not true of the world that they weren't included, right? All of us, yep. you know, in that. Um, it's that, that whole that, idea that of phrase, man. Go ahead. Well, it's just the distinction of, you know, what is what is faith? Is it the final, you know, piece of a puzzle? Yeah. You know, is it the one last, is it the one last thing? Is faith the thing that we do to get in? Or is it the discovery of what already is? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to go with that the, ladder. <laughs> yeah. When you look at the work of Christ, it's like, I think that he accomplished something apart from my opinion of it. Yeah. I think something happened cosmically. I yep. think something actually happened. And I don't think that it's efficacy or it's uh, the accomplishment of that thing depends on my opinion or yours. No. No, for while we were still sinners, as we read earlier from Romans 5, Christ died for us. Romans 8, therefore, there is no more condemnation, none, for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
a judgment has been declared. And I love that, dude. And I'm just to bring this up, like in Reclaim, we talk about this in chapter four, just really honing in on this idea of, of, a, of that, the mystery of the cross, okay? The mystery of Christ, the mystery of his life being our life, like God literally bringing us into his life, the mystery of his death being our death, the mystery of his resurrection being our resurrection, this, this reality that we talk about. For some people, that's really hard to grab onto. And so we've talked a lot from like Galatians 2, where it says, for we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, right? Who lives in me, it says. And so it's like, man, you know why there's no condemnation for you as, as we just read? You know why there's no condemnation for you? Because there's no you to condemn. Yeah. You're You've dead been and buried, crucified with sun. Christ, Galatians 2. You've been hidden in him, Colossians 3. This is your reality. There's no condemnation for you because there's no you to condemn. But dude, check this. God is so good. And so he just, it's like, it's almost like he knows everything. It's almost like he knows, you know what I mean? Like the different elements of humanity and where we wrestle. Because some people come along and they hear that and they go, man, I love that, Russ. And I know it says it in the Bible, but I just can't get there, man. Hmm. I can't grab onto that mystery that there's no me, that the me that, you know, that, I'm, that I literally live and dwell in him. But in this story, dude, about the unjust judge that we're unpacking, it's almost like Jesus goes, okay, I hear that. So how about this? I know you're wrestling with it. You can't wrap your mind around that there's no you to condemn. So let's do this. There's no judge to condemn you. <laughs> yeah, the judge he, has left the chair. He left the chair. He closed the courtroom. He made the decision about your vindication and your yes. justification outside of the chair. Yes. Dude. Outside of the law. It's, 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 oh man. It turns out that God's not interested in weighing what the parties in his court deserve. He means to rule in their favor, no matter the cost to himself or his family. Mm. My friend Mark wrote this and I, I wrote it down. I pulled it out the other night, wrote it down years ago. And that cost to God has proven quite high. God has lost the public's respect and has been rejected by those more upright than him. So <laughs> he has suffered great shame and wound. And listen to this. He has suffered great shame and wound up slumming for friends among sinners. Yet for all that, outside of his courthouse still stretches around the block is this line, as earnest citizens take turns making their case to an empty room. The verdict is already in. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Dude, it's so good, man. Holy shit yeah so i'm gonna say it again like we've been saying now do you understand what god means when he says that it's his kindness that leads to repentance mm -mm -mm -mm. you're free to go do whatever dumb thing you want to do you always have been you always will be hearing about his reckless grace isn't going to change that but it does make you start to look at all these things that look so tempting and realize oh well that's just dumb <laughs> That, that's just going to lead to more dismantling of my humanity. That's just going to lead to me becoming less and less human. That's just going to lead to less and less harmony that I so long for. 
dude, stories like this to me don't lead toward like, yeah, man, if he's that good, let's just go, let's go, let's go do a bunch of dumb shit, man, and wind up in prison. <laughs> like so many like church leaders are afraid of, and I'm like, dude, stop. These are Jesus's words, not mine. Yeah. Just let them go. Let it out. Yeah. He's that man. good. I can't get over that quote. We just picture God, like three piece suit dialed in yeah. to the nines, every detail, right down to the, the cuff links, every hair, you know, on his head and his beard and his mustache and everything is just like really dialed in <laughs> and he's just, you know, he's squeaky clean, squeaky yeah. clean. Um, but the incarnation tells a different story. God became man. Yeah. And he came down into the muck and the mire and the shit of our lives. Um, and in our place did something beautiful for us. Yeah. And in that work, in that finished work makes a declaration based on the merits of his son, based on the work of a son, yeah. which was motivated by love. The law couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. All the law does is condemn us. Uh, but the work of Christ is the declaration of no condemnation. So thank God that the courtroom is empty. Yep. Yeah, the line's still stretched around the building and everyone's still making the case. Yep. I, myself, right? I get there as well. But uh we're just making it to an uh, to an empty to an empty room. Oh, that's good, man. Let's put a There's no you to it. condemn. There's no, you no to judge condemn. to condemn you. He's that good. Mind blowing. So to that I say, cheers. Yeah.